Welcome to the Grace Vineyard Podcast, where we are building growing communities of worshipers who are becoming like Christ, empowered to do His work. We hope you enjoy this message. This, to me, is super important. You are an army. If you have given your life to Jesus, you are an army. You have a mission, and you have a message. And it's the mission and message of Jesus. And the message and the mission are this. The kingdom of God is here. Enter in. And I'm, I'm developing that uh, more fully because it really has to, everything to do with how we live today. And last week I presented an understanding of, and the current understanding in theology around the world of what it means that the kingdom of God is here. And I'm going to, I'll review that briefly, but we're going to be spending some time learning how this applies to our life and our calling as an army doing the works of Jesus, bringing the message of Jesus. This is essential training and equipping, and, and you should know that what the things I'm going to be teaching you and taught last week, by the way, if you can, go to the YouTube channel, watch it again, or if you haven't heard what I did last week, it's very important. It is the foundation for everything we do around here and around the vineyard. Um, our understanding of the kingdom of God undergirds how we pray for people, how we worship, how we do missions. Our entire philosophy of ministry is based on this message, which we believe is the central message of Jesus and the central message of the Bible. So I'll, I'll be developing the thinking of that um, over the, the course. Today I'm going to be talking about power and authority, um, central components in our call to ministry. I'm going to start with a story. I told you, a teaser, I want you to hear this story. So here's a picture of, um, from last night, Google satellite imaging of the house where I grew up in Phoenix, Arizona. And there's a story that takes place there, and it's sort of helpful to see the layout. So I wanted to tell you. You'll see that um, going up is north, north 35th Avenue. If anyone knows Phoenix, this is just north of the corner of 35th Avenue and Peoria, if you know that area. So goes north. I live on the street that's called West Yucca Street. Yucca is a plant in Arizona. And the third house in, you see there's a red flag. Can you see that? You do? Okay, so that's, that's where I grew up. I, my family moved to Phoenix when I was four years old in 1969. I grew up there, moved here in 1982 when I was 17. So you see the, there's a pool in the backyard. My dad had that pool built. I think it was $3,000 in the 70s. <laughs> I grew up swimming in that pool. I was so dark. I was in the Arizona sun all day. My friends and I, and as you can see, most of the houses have pools. It's very hot there. <laughs> so all summer long, children are in their bathing suits, in their pools. We didn't have a ton of money to run the air conditioner, so my mom just wore a bathing suit generally all day. And while she's cleaning the house, she'd go out, jive in the pool, get the bathing suit wet, come back and work. Seriously, that's how she lived. It was hot. Well, something happened there with my mom that's a, a really important story, I think, and I just was reminded of it this week. I was quite young, and I don't remember how old I was, but I think it was preteen. And my mom then would have been like late 30s, maybe early 40s. And you, you see the way the layout of the land is. So there's the, the street that we lived on, and there's our front yard, and then the house, and then the backyard, and then a fence. 
And then that thing that you see that looks like a little road, that's actually an alley. And then the alley, after the alley, is the backyard of the houses on the other street. And then go to the front of the street. So in that alley is where we put our garbage cans. It was big enough that a garbage truck could drive through there easily. It was big enough that we kids could ride our bikes there and did a lot of interesting things there. Probably there were a few kids who discovered smoking in that alley. <laughs> in fact, I know there were. Uh, one day, my mom heard a commotion across the alley for the house that is the second one in on Shangri-La. And you can see they have a pool, but in, in last night's photo uh, satellite image, the, the pool is empty. But you can see, can you see the outline of the pool there? It looks like they're drained for some reason right now. She heard a commotion, people making noise, and there was an ambulance, and I think a fire truck, I'm not sure, but there were emergency vehicles, and something came over her to go over there. And she walked around and walked, this is not my mom's style, but she walked right in the front door, it was unlocked. I think it was open even from the fire, person, you know, the fire department people that had gone in. She walked in, walked into the backyard where all the commotion was, and their child, who I think, if I remember right, was two, had fallen in the pool and drowned. And they had retrieved the child, and she somehow had this boldness come over her. She doesn't know these people walks up, lays her hand on the dead baby, prays over the baby, and the baby came back to life. It was power and authority. It was, it's, it's just an amazing story from my childhood that, I'm, that at the time I sort of thought was how you do Christianity, that's normal. But I, I discovered that not a lot of people are raising the dead. And in fact, I don't think my mom ever did that again. And um, I remember as she related the story to us, that the father was home, and the father was a, a military person. I think he was a Marine, but the, the important part was that he was familiar with death. He'd seen dead bodies. He knew the look of death, and his child was dead. They, re, they found the child in the bottom of the pool. He was con it wasn't like, oh, the child just needed to resuscitate. He believed the child was dead. And it, it probably changed their life. I Somewhere, I was thinking as I'm going to tell this story, I thought, what if somehow that child or that family heard me on the internet and said, hey, we're the people, we lived on Shangri-La in 1975 or whatever that was. Today, we're going to continue this training for an army of healers. And the topic is the kingdom of God. The title I've given it, and you've seen this probably image, living the future now, how the inbreaking of God's kingdom changes everything. And as I said, we're going to be exploring the theme of power and authority. Just join me in prayer, if you would. Father, we come to you with faith, anticipation, expectation, open hearts, as we take a, another look at some scripture and understanding of the kingdom of God, we pray that you would enliven our ears to hear what you're saying. We pray your spirit would be upon me to speak truth. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. Even as we're speaking the truth of your word, we invite you to demonstrate your word in this room with signs and wonders. If there be sick people, we're asking that you would come and you would bring healing today. 
You are welcome, Holy Spirit, and we need you. Put power on this time together, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So I need to review a little bit from last week. I said that Jesus began his ministry, make an announcement. The time has come, he said, the kingdom of God is here now. Mark 1, 14-15, after John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said, the kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. Change your manner of thinking. Something has changed. Everything that Jesus said and everything that he did from this point forward was simply commentary and further explanation of this message, the kingdom of God is here. His parables almost always started with, the kingdom of God is like, and tells a story and explains a principle. His miracles always illustrated the message that the kingdom of God is here. And sometimes he would specifically say, when this happens, the kingdom of God has come upon you. Now, the good news was not the good news. The gospel of the kingdom of God is not only that the kingdom of God is broken in now in the ministry and life of Jesus, but that, this is super important, the kingdom of God is easily available for entrance to anybody, every one of you are eligible. Whether you are rich or poor, no matter your history, no matter the level of dysfunction of your family of origin, no matter how poor you are or how wealthy you are, no matter how religious or unreligious you are, no matter how educated you are or uneducated you are, it doesn't matter. Everyone, and this was news, this is radical news. Jesus basically said, I'm the king of the kingdom. You can enter the fullness of God's kingdom simply by trusting me with your life. You don't have to do any religious things. You don't have to be a certain level in the synagogue. The kingdom is available to all. This was a radical message, and it was very interesting at the time because the people really pressing into the kingdom of God through Jesus were the least likely. They were those that were workers in the sex trafficking industry. right? They were the ones who were addicted to alcohol. They were the ones who were rejected because they were collecting taxes for the Roman oppressors. They became disciples and apostles. At the same time, those who were expected to be in the kingdom, the ones that had the robes and the, the headdress, and they had been studying the law of Moses, and they were synagogue rulers and Pharisees and Sadducees and all those names, good people, good religious people, many of them were rejected because they would not receive Jesus. It was a radical message. The kingdom of God is here. Jesus demonstrated the kingdom, and Matthew writes about it with this summary statement that I often share with you, but listen again to what Matthew writes at Matthew 9.35. This is a summary statement of the message and the works of the kingdom. Jesus went through all the towns and villages. Now listen, this is a summary statement of what has just happened before. I encourage you to read Matthew 8 and 9. Read story after story after story, and then you'll see this is just a summary of everything you've read. Jesus goes through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, what I just told you, and healing every disease and sickness. Always there is a message and a demonstration, word and works. They go hand in hand. The words describe the message of the kingdom of God. The works illustrate the message of the kingdom of God. Because there's healing, 
because there's good news preached to the poor, because the demons are driven out, it is evidence that the kingdom of God is here. It's an illustration of the message. We do well to take note that it's always word and works. Much of Western society is very comfortable with word and no works. They're glad to talk a lot and do nothing. But Jesus wasn't like that. And he didn't raise up disciples who were like that. They talked and they did. And you and I are given the same message. Now, the message is the kingdom of God is here now. And the works are the kingdom of God is here now. So last week I, I gave to you a paradigm shift. That is a complete change in worldview and understanding of what the kingdom of God means. We, in the last couple hundred years, as, um, just as humans, have something that people didn't have in the church for the hundreds of years before that. We discovered a trove of literature called the Dead Sea Scrolls and more. And from that literature was discovered the thinking of the first century. So we now know what was being thought during this time about the kingdom of God, what was spoken. And I want you to know, when Jesus showed up with those words, the kingdom of God is here now, the atmosphere was pregnant with expectation of the kingdom of God and a particular understanding that was different. So let me show you the Old Testament paradigm that I showed you last week. I made a graph, a picture. that It's hard to put in a picture what you're trying to describe, but maybe this will help. This was a picture of time as understood by the Jewish people of Jesus' time and the Old Testament prophets. That time is going from here to here. It's split in half on the day of the Lord. There's something called this present evil age where Satan seems to be ruling, where the oppressors have the upper hand. The Romans and before them the Greeks and before them the Medes and Persians and before them Babylon have been oppressing Israel. Um, the poor are taken advantage of. There's evil everywhere. There's all sorts of problems. It's present evil age. The prophet said a day is coming called the day of the Lord when God is going to break in and cut time in half. The evil will be done and a new age will come, the age of the kingdom. And we talked last week, one of the, we, we read one of the scriptures in Daniel, which would be a prophecy of this idea of obliterating every kingdom of this world as the kingdom of God in Israel would be established. So that's what they expected. A day is coming, the day of the Lord, when this present age will end, a new age will dawn, the kingdom of God, the dynamic rule and reign of God, that's what kingdom means, will be established. Present evil age will be brought to an abrupt end. Jesus says these words, the kingdom of God is coming, and that's what the people are anticipating would happen. But it didn't come about that way. And Jesus brought about a message called the mystery of the kingdom. He taught and demonstrated a number of things. He said the kingdom is here, but he also said the kingdom is delayed. He said both. He said we should pray for the kingdom to come. He, said, he gave parables saying it's like a man that went on a long journey for a long time and was gone a long time before he came back. The people begin to get confused. So here is a new picture, the kingdom of God paradigm, that is developed in Jesus' teaching, it's developed in the writings of the apostles. It's developed in the New Testament. And this understanding changes everything in your life and your ministry, I promise you. Very important to understand this. In Jesus' coming, represented by the cross, in time, Jesus' words, his message, his death on the cross, his resurrection, the outpouring of the Spirit, in fact, the kingdom of God did come 
There was fulfillment to the ancient prophecies. However, it wasn't consummated. It wasn't complete. He went on to describe that in the future, he was coming back again. And that's when the kingdom of God will be fully established. But right now it's here, just not in fulfillment. And somehow, to see the arrow that I have kind of arching over, the powers of the future age, the kingdom to come, are breaking into our present time right now. And Jesus used those very words. The apostles did. Um, Paul writes that we are those upon whom the fulfillment of the ages have come. In Hebrews, I think it's the second chapter, it mentions and describes you and me as people upon whom the powers of the coming age, oh no, who have tasted of the powers of the coming age. Um, one theologian who described this best, and, and it's the understanding that you hear all the time if you read scholastic works, is that we live in the already and the not yet. It's already here, it's not yet fully here. So Jesus said, we read this last week, if I cast out a spirit, by an evil spirit, a demon, by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. So he said, it's near, it's already here, it's delayed, it's coming in the future. And you go, what on earth? Well, here's the reality. Both are true. In Jesus, this present evil age is still going on. But also the age to come is broken in. And we who enter by faith into this kingdom of God by trusting in Jesus become already not yet people. We are people out of time. We are weird, peculiar, strange people. We've been forgiven of our sins and given the righteousness of God. Yes, we also sometimes sin. We have healing power when we heal diseases, but sometimes people die. Sickness remains. So this box that I have in the middle describes the time we're in. It's the ages are overlapping, and there is tremendous tension, and there is warfare. In a future talk, I'll, I'll teach and look at the conflict of the kingdoms. The satanic kingdom, the kingdom of God are at war, and Jesus must reign, Paul said in, in Corinthians, until he has defeated every enemy. We're in that time. He said the kingdom would not fully come, so he returns. So get that phrase, fulfillment, without consummation. It's here, but not yet. So we can anticipate all sorts of interesting things in our lives. We live the future now. And it changes everything. You have been forgiven and are righteous you, if you've trusted in Jesus. Your sins are forgiven. You have the promised, and I mean promised, I mean in the prophecies about the coming kingdom, the prophecies was word that the Spirit of God would be poured out on all flesh. You have the promised Holy Spirit now, but yet you're in a struggle. All of life is lived out this way. So when we read that Jesus went from town to town, village to village, preaching the message of the kingdom that I'm saying now, and healing the sick and casting out demons and demonstrating the kingdom, this is what was happening. I imagine his disciples were loving life until he said, now you come and you do the same thing. Well, how? That's today's topic, power and authority. What do you mean heal the sick? He said to them, you go and heal the sick. Have you ever tried to heal the sick? It's not easy. 
I may show you a video from a teaching seminar early on in vineyard history where a woman is standing on the stage next to the wheelchair that she had gotten healed out of the night before at a conference. But I know the story is the night before, the congregation that was there prayed for her for two solid hours. She didn't just hop out of that wheelchair. It was a slow, painful, difficult process. It's not easy to heal the sick unless you have power and authority. So after, we, after, Jesus, after Matthew writes that Jesus did this, you know, village to village, healing the sick, casting out demons, proclaiming the good news, and saying, pray the Lord of the harvest to send more workers, because the harvest is big, but there's not enough workers. He then called the apostles and to him, 12 of them, or more than that, but Luke 9 says this, when Jesus had called the 12 together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Here it's together again. Preach the kingdom of God and heal the sick. Always together. Word and works. Message and demonstration. Proclamation and demonstration. You are called to this ministry. I am trying before the Lord to fulfill my calling to equip the saints for the work of ministry. I'm trying to teach you so that every single one of you will proclaim the message and demonstrate the works of the kingdom of God. Now, every one of you, by the way, not a professional that's on the paid staff of a church. Every one of you. And some of you are walking in this now. But it's for all of you. Did you feel the weight on you just grow? <laughs> Jesus gives this ministry to the twelve. By the way, after he gives them power and authority to drive out all demons, we just read the word of God. They run into a demon and they can't drive him out. Do you remember that story with the little boy? So it's not easy. And Jesus gives them further instruction about their prayer life. Later, and we won't read it because of time, Jesus calls another 72 following in Luke, in Luke chapter 10. 72 nameless other followers of Jesus. And he gives them exactly the same message, exactly the same instructions, proclaim the message, heal the sick, do the works, drive out demons, and they go out and do it. So it's not just the apostles. After that, he gives the instructions for the whole church, all believers for all time, to have this message and to have this ministry. To have this message, the kingdom of God is near, and have this ministry do the works of the kingdom. The power and authority he gave, and he poured out his spirit at Pentecost. So there's availability there, and I want to talk a little bit about how power and authority works. But I, I just want to mention that many of us are quite comfortable to disobey this command. Somewhere in my Christianity, I discovered not only am I called tell the good news of Jesus, I'm called to heal the sick. Like it's an obedience issue. That's, that was a surprise to me. I thought that was for the, the guy on TV. But no, it's for every disciple. Read the book. You'll see in Jesus' words over and over. On the day of Jesus' ascension, he gathered the disciples and he said these words, all power, all authority is given to me, therefore you go into all the nation, make disciples, teach them to do everything I taught you to do. Forever perpetuated. Everything the first disciples were taught to do, I'm taught to do. 
and I'm to teach you to do the same. And you're to teach others to do the same. Army of healers. Now, how does it work? Well, one model in the church, probably more in the Pentecostal church, is that you need to get anointed. You need to, like an athlete, going to the gym to build up the muscle and going to the field to do the practices and learn the coordination to throw the ball and learn the plays, you'll develop skills so that at the time of need you can do the stuff because you are now anointed, you have equipment, you have skill, you uh, have prayed and fasted enough, you've learned the right prayers, you've learned, currently you would say, I decree and declare because that's the current way to pray on the TV apparently, but you will just do your thing and you'll have it. And actually those people have some results. But I don't see that as the method in the Scripture. So uh, do you know Iron Man, the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Let's see if there's a picture. Okay. There's Iron Man. I think this is how it works. Iron Man can do anything pretty much that Superman can do. He can fly. He has incredible strength. Out of those little eye slits, laser beams can come out. He can cut metal. I saw him do it. I saw the movie, so I know it's true. <laughs> come on, Avengers. <laughs> but when the guy in the suit, Tony Stark, is not in the suit on the right, see that look on his face? Like He's like, oh, no. All he is is a smart and very arrogant, weak person. Without the suit, he can do nothing. He needs to have the suit on. Jesus said this to his disciples on the day of his ascension. Uh, Luke 24, 45. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written, the Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. Repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all the nations. By the way, Jesus said, the end won't come until... The gospel of the kingdom is preached to all the nations. Beginning at Jerusalem, you are witnesses of these things. Verse 49, important. This is the Tony Stark part. I'm going to send, what you, my, send you what my father promised, but stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. You need the suit. I don't think you have it inherent in you to do whatever you want with this power of God and authority of God whenever you want. Power and authority works differently. You need a few things. One, you need the presence of the Holy Spirit in you. And you need some more. I'm going to explain how I think and what the Bible, I think, teaches about power and authority. But power and authority to do things like go around the neighborhood where the noise is, walk through the house, walk in the backyard, and pray a prayer of faith over a dead baby and see him raised from the dead. That takes power authority. Power translates the Greek word dunamis, which just simply means the ability to make something happen, the ability to accomplish the end. It's a word that often is used of military power, but it's, it's getting it done, the ability, the power, the means to accomplish some great task. Authority translates the Greek word exousia, which means the right to use the power. You need both the power and the right to use it. Now, my understanding is that power and authority are demonstrated and manifested always in the kingdom of God through relationship. 
is crucial. Jesus operated through relationship with the Father. When you and I put ourselves under the authority, the rule and reign of God, we enter his kingdom. He gives us power and authority out of relationship with the king. The secret to moving in power and authority is to find out what the Father's doing and do that. Not do your own thing on your own time, but to know what God's doing. Learn what the Father's about and do that, because what the Father is doing is where the kingdom of God from the future age is breaking into the present age. Jesus, on the occasion of healing the sick man by the pool of Bethesda that you may have read, but if you haven't read it, um, read it in John chapter 5. Jesus is being um, troubled by the Pharisees because he did this healing on the Sabbath. And they're asking him, who, who said you could do this? And he explains to them power and authority in this way. In John 5, 19. This is a crucial, crucial verse and truth for you and me in what we do day to day in power and authority. I tell you the truth, the Son can do nothing by himself. Jesus said the Son can do nothing by himself. If Jesus can do nothing by himself, how much do you think you and I can do? Nothing. He can only do what he sees his Father doing. Why do you think Jesus prayed so much? He got up early in the morning and was seeking the Father. Before he chose the twelve to make them apostles, he spent the night in prayer seeking the Father. He had relationship, and through relationship, the authority of the kingdom was through him. Yes, he's Jesus, the King of Kings. Yes, he's the Creator. But he's also at this time living as a human, demonstrating what is possible when a human puts themselves under the authority of God's kingdom, is filled with the Spirit of God, and lives according to his purposes. He only did what they saw the Father doing, because whatever the Father does, the Son does also. Listen to this. For the Father loves the Son. Now listen, Jesus said, as the Father has loved me, so he has loved you. The Father loves the Son and shows him all he does. The key to operating, ministering in power and authority is to be in relationship with Jesus the Father and the Spirit. So much so that the Father shows you what he's doing so that you can do it too. You will then have power and authority. Listen, you can decree and declare all you want, but if the Father's not decreeing and declaring, nothing's going to happen. I grew up at a time when the Word of Faith movement was popular in America and around the world, and it taught that if you simply learn the Scriptures right, you could quote them back to God, and God would be obligated legally to do the thing that you told him he had to do because the Bible said so. Making God a victim of his own word when a person wanted to do it. Have you heard that teaching? I grew up under that, and it spread rampantly around the world. So we, the, the language was name it and claim it. I don't think that's how God works. I think God is always the king, and I'm never the king. And if I want to do what he's doing and see his power released, I better find out what the king has said he wants to do 
and join him in that. And then I can with power say, Jesus heals you, be healed, and power can come. Power and authority is therefore a sort of a conglomeration of many things. One, Jesus giving you power and authority, delegating it to you as a son of God, as a daughter of God, as a member of his kingdom community. It's also being filled with the spirit by whom the power comes, but it's also being in a relationship with him and only doing what he's doing. On that day that Jesus healed that sick man, there were hundreds, if not thousands, of other sick people. And Jesus was always filled with compassion, but he only healed one of them. Isn't that weird? Why, Jesus, didn't you heal everybody? If you have the power to do miracles, why don't you do it? You are the Son of God. Apparently, in his answer right after the healing, it's because the Father hadn't told him to do it. The Father told him this one, so he did it. That's why when you and I are praying for sick people, we do well to stop and say, Lord, let your kingdom come now. Let your will be done now and wait and listen. Because you might find that the person who's told you, yeah, I have an ulcer, would you, would you pray that God heals it, actually has unforgiveness, and you need to hear from God about the relationship that he really wants to heal so that he can also heal their ulcer. Because the kingdom of God might want to break in and bring substantial change. That's why, like Trina demonstrated that this morning. She heard something from the Lord, got up and spoke it. I believe it was a prophecy, and I'm pretty convinced that some of you here needed to hear the word of God for your present situation about letting God be the judge and you getting rid of your, your idea and control of justice and going for mercy and letting God be the one who brings justice. Powerful truth from the Scripture highlighted by the Holy Spirit to one of his servants operating in power and authority. See how that works? You see how that works? Are you, are you, do I need to say any of it again? Are, are we confused? Are we, how are we doing? Okay, you are an army. You have a ministry. It's the ministry of Jesus. The ministry is called the kingdom of God. You have a message to declare. Did you know God cares about your need and he's present to help you? That means the kingdom, the rule and reign of God is here. Let me show it to you. If you'll let me, we'll pray right now, and I think God will break in and bring healing to your need. That's what we do. That's how we minister good news to the poor. That's how we set the oppressed free. See, the good news is Jesus told those 72, this is awesome. I've given you power. This is, this is Matthew, I think, 10.17 or Luke 10.17. giving you power and authority over... Um, all the works of the evil one. You'll stomp on scorpions and serpents and, and nothing can harm you and you have authority over all the works of the evil one and even demons are subject to you. That's good news and it's bad news. It's good news because you have the power and authority. It's bad news because no one likes to handle snakes. Do you like snakes? Well, you do, okay. Do you like demons? I don't. It's messy business. But Jesus has called you to dive into the mess. You know, you go and deal with people that are caught up in addiction and dysfunction 
and family damage and liver damage, you start peeling back the layers and it is a hellish mess because Satan has come and imprisoned and robbed and destroyed and you were called to go in with the kingdom of God to rescue, to deliver, to set free those people. But it is messy. And if you do it, the church won't like you. People that are sophisticated will tell you that's not what you're supposed to do, casting out demons. Who do you think you are? They won't like it. They didn't like Jesus when he did it. They won't like you when you do it. You do it enough and it gets messy enough, they'll go on the radio and talk about you. That's the history of our of our heritage in the vineyard, actually. Uh, so, do you want to do it? Are you ready to obey God? I wonder if there's more scripture to read. You want a couple more? Yeah, I do too. Paul, I just want to emphasize again word and works. Paul understood this. In the letter to the Corinthians, he talked about when he came to their area the first time. And he said this, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 4 and 5. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but what were they with? A demonstration. Remember I said proclamation, demonstration, word and works and water. Thank you for water, Lord. They were with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. And I'm telling you, it's easier just to speak a lot. It takes risk and faith to do what my mom did in that story. What if nothing happened? What if she went into that backyard, prayed boldly, and the baby remained dead? I have prayed for dead people that did not come back. I've prayed for sick people that did not get better. But I've also prayed for dead people that did come back, and I've prayed for sick people that did get better. I've prayed for casting out demons and had great trouble, but I've also cast out some demons. By the way, do you think I'm crazy if you do? Go back and read the Bible and maybe get your worldview corrected. <laughs> because the Bible says this is real. This is real. There is a war going on in the spiritual invisible realm. There is an evil spirit named Satan who is destroying people's lives all around us with lies, sometimes with sickness and disease, sometimes with torment, and we are called to set them free. It's messy business, but we've been given power and authority over all the works of the evil one. The kingdom of God has come. The powers of the coming age are breaking in now. We've been called to pray for them to break in. Jesus said, here's how you pray. Let your kingdom come now. Let your power come now. Let your will become now. We've been given a message. We've been given a work 
if you will step into this. Your normal hellos, which, by the way, I'd like to encourage you, say hello to people. That will start you in the danger zone. Say hello to people and listen to the Father, anticipating that the kingdom of God just might break in in this hello and turn it from a normal hello into a holy hello. And if you really want to accelerate the process, do what Michael's been teaching us and say, excuse me, could I ask you a question? I love to pray for people. Is there anything in your life I can pray for? If they tell you their trouble, all bets are off. The kingdom of God just might break in and the powers of the coming age might break in as you pray and invite the kingdom of God. And you might even make the announcement, the kingdom of God is here now. I think God cares about you and is here to help you. Let me pray. If you will do that, at least from time to time, God will break into your world. And you'll be doing the works of the kingdom. You'll be in power. You'll be in authority. And you'll be a disciple of Jesus and all the fullness of what that means. Lord, let your kingdom come upon us now, even now here. We are stirred by the theme of Jesus' ministry. We are challenged by the potential of having the power and authority that Jesus and the apostles and the 72 and the early church all through the book of Acts had. We're challenged by this potential. Some of us, maybe all of us, are saying, I'm in. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to do. I'm ready to be. Give me boldness. Give me power. Give me authority. And give me courage to undergo the persecution that may result. Give me the compassion of Jesus. Give me the love of Jesus. If you are in my hearing and you have not entered the domain of God's rule and reign in your life because you think you're the Lord of your life and you're ready to change kingdoms, it is simple and available to you right now. You don't need to jump a certain height, pray a certain prayer, memorize a certain scripture. You need to trust Jesus with your life. That's all. If you've never done that, I'm telling you, you won't like hell. You'll like heaven, and you can have it now. Give your life to Jesus, who is the rightful king, and everything will change. You'll enter an adventure. I encourage you, I exhort you, I, I urge you. Don't wait any longer. Don't put it off anymore. Give your life to Jesus Christ. And if you're listening on Zoom or Facebook Live right now, give your life to Jesus Christ. 
simply turn to him, talk to him, that's called prayer, say, Jesus, I want you to be the boss of my life. I want you to take over. I'm asking you, forgive all of my sins and make me right before you. I'm asking you, fill me with the Spirit of God so that I become a new person. Let the life of eternity break into my life now. Give me eternal life, I pray. You are now Lord. I'm your son or your daughter and your servant. You can do with me whatever you want. Give me joy and peace and love. Make me like Jesus. Grow me into you. Change me so I become like you. Heal my family. Heal my relationships. Heal my life. That's all it takes. Every day. Time to end our time together, but I want to I want to make opportunity to pray for each other in the power of the Spirit. Let's do this. Um, is I'll just do it generally. I don't have a, a like a word, a prophetic word about a particular illness. Is, is there anyone here who has sickness or disease or something wrong in your body and you'd like to be healed? Stand up where you are. There's Denise in the back, Kevin in the middle. Is it Kendra? I don't know your name, but in the front. What's your name? Jennifer. Sorry, Jennifer, I wasn't even close. We have three. Okay, those of you who just said, yes, I want to do the works of the kingdom, um, I, I now deputize you to be sheriffs in Jesus' army. And I encourage you to walk up. Someone go to Denise, someone go to Kevin, someone go to Bree, someone go to Jennifer, and anywhere else. Get up, take a risk, introduce yourself, be kind, ask them if it's okay with them, if you pray for them. And I encourage you to just do this, pray the prayer Jesus said, Lord, let your kingdom come, and anticipate that God's Spirit is going to come and rest on them. And listen for a bit. And then ask God to do the thing that they're asking you. I don't see anyone praying over Kevin here. Someone, someone go there. And then if there are people who um, just need to respond to the Lord, why don't you come around the front? And the worship band, Amy and team, could you come up? They'll come and, and, and spend some time singing songs of worship, probably a little more quiet. And um, we'll turn to the Lord. Deal, do business with. Interact with Jesus right now. Lord, let your spirit be upon us to make us disciples indeed. We want to be your army of healers sent out to do your bidding in our world. Rest upon us. We hope you've enjoyed this message. This weekly podcast is available on our website, gracevcf.org, 
where you can learn more about Grace Vineyard and our vision for people everywhere to know and worship God.